Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Pastor Erwin Raphael McManus, and just wanted to thank you for listening. In case you didn't know, I just released a new book. It's called The Genius of Jesus, The Man Who Changed Everything. And you can order it today at thegeniusofjesus.com. We began with a trilogy that we described as the quest for honor. And on that particular trilogy, we journeyed together to how we could live our most courageous lives. We traveled through this realization that all of us need to begin with humility and that humility becomes the context from which integrity is formed in us. And integrity becomes that virtue that gives us the courage to make our choices and to create a life that goes beyond our own capacity, that pushes us into faith and pushes us into the impossible. We also began a quest for nobility where we journeyed together to discover what it means to live a truly generous life. And we found that generosity is the outflow of the wholeness that God brings into our lives and that that wholeness comes out of a life of gratitude. And so tonight we're beginning our third quest. And this quest is the quest for enlightenment. I love the word enlightenment. It's so rich and full of possibilities. And and so many times we understand enlightenment as a word that is contextualized around the spirit of the human. That there is a journey that takes us out of darkness into light, out of confusion into clarity, out of doubt into faith, out of fear into hope. And if you've ever been in that place in your life where you're just overwhelmed by life and everything seems to be muddied and cloudy, and you're wondering if you can actually find your way through that moment in your life, then you've known the need for enlightenment in your life. On this particular journey, our end game is going to be this quest for wisdom. Now, who doesn't need a little more wisdom in their life? Who doesn't need to have a little more clarity, the ability to connect the dots, the ability to to foresee the future from the present? And if wisdom was nothing else, imagine if you had the ability to make choices today that you knew would create the future that you desired and longed for. Well, we're going to travel there, and we're going to discover, and this is a spoiler alert if you don't like to know how the story goes, But wisdom, we'll discover, comes out of this virtue or characteristic of perseverance. In fact, sociologists have been spending a great deal of time studying this issue or this characteristic of human resilience. Why is it that two people can go through the same crisis, two people can go through the same trauma, and one person spend their whole life broken and shattered from that trauma, and another person going through a similar series of experiences come out stronger and more powerful and even whole. This curious characteristic of human resilience is what we're going to look at together through this gauntlet of perseverance. But what we're going to discover today is that wisdom comes out of perseverance, but perseverance comes out of a less attractive virtue, one that we don't usually wake up in the morning wanting to have more of, but perseverance comes out of faithfulness. Wisdom begins here. Yesterday, I think it was, Mariah and I decided to spend some time together. We don't 
get a lot of time together right now. And so we had a few hours and walked around stores and, and had lunch. And, and then I went over to the Barney's Co-op, and I guess I shouldn't really confess that, but I did. And I wanted to see what was happening in, in men's fashions, just to kind of remember when I was involved in, in the fashion industry. And, and, and when I was up, there's always the most interesting people who get hired at the co-op. And and so I went up and decided to finally buy something and I went to the counter. And when I got to the counter, the, the guy at the counter said to me, I really like your bracelet. He said, oh, thanks so much. And I said, it's really not a bracelet. It's, it's an up band. And the next thing I knew, I was marketing and selling the up band for Jawbone and explaining to them that it monitors your steps and your sleep patterns and deep sleep and light sleep. And, and two of the employees came right over and, oh, well, what is that again? And they're writing down up band and I'm telling them where they can pick it up. And I'm thinking, I, I didn't really commit my life to selling up bands. This is a strange moment for me. And, and then the guy said, oh, I really like your bag. And, and I said, well, I, 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 I used to make these. And he didn't know what a deep wound that is in my life. And uh, he goes, oh, it's really, really cool. Can, can I buy one? And I said, no. And, uh, and he goes, well, are you not making them? Well, I'm not making them right now. He goes, are you, are you, are you, give me your website. I, I don't have one anymore. Don't, don't need one. And uh, he goes, well, well, do you have a card? No, I don't, don't have those either. I'm just living in obscurity. And, and, and he said, well, are you going to start making them again? I said, I don't know what the future holds. And I thought, man, just take a spear and put it into my heart and watch me bleed. And some of you don't know my journey in the fashion industry, and it's been really beautiful and, uh, and enriching and fulfilling, life-changing, and all those other things that I'm supposed to say. And I thought, wow, this is a conversation. It's really wonderful, but it's, it's, I, I have nothing to offer these people. And so I thought, up-band, repurpose World War II bags, I know I'll invite them to Mosaic. And it's the only thing I have right now I can give someone in LA. And I, and I said, let me, if you like this, this band and you like this bag, you're going to love Mosaic. And, uh, <laughs> there was a connection in my brain. It worked. And they go, what's Mosaic? And I said, Mosaic is a community of faith here in Los Angeles. And, and we meet on Hollywood Boulevard in La Brea. And, and you can imagine how you're walking in turbulent waters at Barney's talking about church. And, 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 I, and I said, it's the most amazing community. It's this beautiful integration of people sincerely and authentically searching for a deeply spiritual life. And, and at the same time, this eruption of beauty and creativity and artistry, it's integration of spirituality and creativity. And I said, it sounds wonderful. Where, where is it? And, and we were making so much progress, I just thought I'd go ahead and bring up Jesus. And, and so I... I <laughs> I said, well, you know, I, I'm a person of faith, and I'm doing a series right now on, on, on a book I wrote. I, I write books on occasion, and, and I said, we just finished a, a trilogy called The Quest for Nobility, and that was about how to overcome your deepest wounds, and they seemed to be, be really interested, and I said, and I'm about to start a new series on how to stop being stupid. <laughs> and, and when I said that, the girl goes, you're kidding. That's awesome. <laughs> we were just talking about that. <laughs> they were just talking about how stupid people are. And so we were just talking about that. She goes, thank you so much for talking about how to stop being stupid. We need that so much. And, and, and then I said, well, you know, what I've discovered in my faith journey is that though Jesus may save us from our sins, he does not save us from our stupidity. <laughs> and most of the tragedy 
and pain and hardship in our life is not because of our sin, it's because of our stupidity. We would make the world so much better if we could just stop being stupid. I mean, I've had so many people ask me questions throughout the years, well, is this a sin? You go, does everything have to be a sin? Can't something just be stupid? See, what about if it's not a sin, but it's really, really stupid? Are you still going to do it? Oh, yeah, as long as God's okay with it. And I want you to know that God is not okay with you and me staying stupid. There is a quest we're supposed to be on to move from being a fool to being a sage. From living a life of foolishness to living a life of wisdom. Now, last week when we finished our quest. We stop at the story of a man named Zacchaeus, who was a small man, and so he climbed a tree when he heard Jesus was coming so he could see him. And while he was up in the tree, Jesus noted him, and he said, Zacchaeus, I must stay in your home. And Zacchaeus was absolutely exhilarated, but we learned that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and very wealthy, so the people despised him. He was malevolent. He was greedy. He was corrupt. And so when Jesus asked to stay in Zacchaeus' house, all the people were upset because Jesus should not be associating with this kind of person. And when he went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus had an eruption of generosity. There was was a life change that was expressed in the most tangible and practical way. Without being prodded, without being asked, without being condemned, Zacchaeus said, if there's anyone I've wronged, I'm going to make it right. In fact, if there's anyone who's who I've taken from wrongly, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. And you see Zacchaeus going through this incredible transformation from greed to generosity. And the people around him were not happy that such a malevolent human being could change so quickly. They wanted some kind of retribution, some kind of condemnation. Jesus was simply thrilled with a changed heart. And so then he tells a parable. It begins in Luke 19, beginning in verse 11. It says, well, they were listening to this. Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. This was about three months' wages. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he went for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your minna has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, the master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your minute has earned five more. The master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your minute. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? 
why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his minna away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minutes. I've never really liked that. See, I'm thinking, Jesus, take it away from him, but give it to the guy with five minutes. And that way he can have six minutes because the other guy already has 10 minutes. And then six and 10 is closer than five and 11. Have you ever, you ever had that thought? If you haven't, you're not like me, one of those five-minute people, wondering why the 10-minute guy is getting 11. <laughs> and then you hear someone say, sir, they said, he already has 10. I'm in the room. These guys know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> Jesus replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. To everyone who has, more will be given. But as for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. This is one of those harsh and difficult parables. It's a parable that lets us know how God relates to us in this human experience. In this parable, I think you've made the connections, the king who goes away is Jesus. And he entrusts his servants with his wealth, with his resources, with his gifts. And they're all wondering, how does the kingdom of God work? And they thought the way the kingdom of God would work is that the king would be here doing everything. And so it was confusing to them that the king would leave and leave us to do everything. And so when he returns, he measures and evaluates what every person did with what was entrusted to them. I, I think you already connected the dots. Jesus is the king, and you and me, we're the servants. And God has entrusted us with gifts and talents. God has entrusted you with intelligence. God has entrusted you with passion. God has entrusted you with ability. God has entrusted you with wealth. God has entrusted you with education. God has entrusted you with opportunity. And all those things that God has entrusted to you, he will hold you responsible for what you do with it. And what I love about this parable is that he doesn't compare one against the other. The one who was given 10 and what he did with it, that person was called a good and faithful servant. The one who had the five and maximized it, he was called a good and faithful servant because there are parallel parables where the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I love the fact that we will never be compared against each other. We will only be compared against ourselves. Our potential, our responsibility, our lives. That's really helpful. Have you, have you ever noticed that there are people more talented than you? Okay, one person, and that's so good. I mean, I know you're not supposed to say that here in LA because that sounds like you, you lack confidence, but you just need to own it. There are people more talented than you. I mean, have you ever noticed there are people who are more intelligent than you? People who are better looking than you? Some of you are going, no, not yet. Keep going. <laughs> have you ever noticed there are people taller than you? Or maybe you spent your whole life noticing that there are people dumber than you. Oh, yeah. 
people less attractive than you, people less intelligent than you, and that's been your entire basis for your worth. Look at them. Glad they're not me. See, what I want you to know is that yes, you're incredibly, incredibly intelligent and incredibly talented and incredibly attractive. And probably you are the most attractive person in Iowa. You know, you, you are probably the most talented person in Michigan. In Kentucky, you were the bomb. I mean, where you're from, no one compared to you, but I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone in this room looks like you or as good as you. They're just as smart as you and just as talented, and then some of them are more talented. Now, I, I never really worried in my life about people being more talented than me. I just accepted that as reality, more, more attractive. I just accepted that just the way it is. But I know as a kid, I always felt this angst that people could actually understand things I couldn't understand. The idea that a human being could hold a thought that I couldn't hold would paralyze me and give me migraines, knowing there's someone who can understand physics and that I couldn't, or that someone could understand some math equation that I couldn't, or someone understand some concept in, in, in whatever it may be, in, in botany or, or in, in environmental management. And I just go crazy going, oh, that person can hold this thought, and I can't. And it's a little comforting, though. There's a person who can't hold the thoughts you have, but that was only a reminder to me that if they can't hold this thought and I can, that means there's someone who's looking at me knowing I'm that guy. They're just whispering, he'll never get it. It's okay. Just pat him on the head and go on. But here's the good news. God will never compare you against another human being. He will never look at you and say, why were you not like them? Why didn't you live a life better than them, more extraordinary than them? Why didn't you have their gifts and their talents? God will only measure your life by what he has entrusted to you, but he will measure your life by what he has entrusted to you. I love the fact that each one of them was a good and faithful servant, except for the person who projected on the king that he was a wicked king. And so he lived in fear, never taking responsibility for what had been entrusted to him. And you can live your entire life blaming God or blaming others for why you're not living the life you were created to live and never take responsibility for the steps that you must take to become the person God calls you to be. This word faithfulness is just not that compelling. I mean, there's a word inside of faithfulness that's very compelling. It's the word faith. I like the word faith. Faith has some oomph to it. Faith is an awesome word. In fact, if you're a new follower of Christ, people may tell you it's all about faith. And faith has so much power. There's so much there. Because the moment you have faith in God, your world changes forever. And when you begin to live a life of faith, everything does change in your life. And I know when I was a young follower of Christ, it was all about faith. So I would pray and I would pray with faith. And, and if something didn't happen, I would pray more. And, and, and I would pray for people to be healed. I would pray for people's lives to be changed. I would pray for answers to be prayed. I would pray everything. 
I mean, I would pray for rain. I would pray for snow. I would pray for healing. I would pray for a job. I would pray for everything. And I can tell you so many times, it seems like my faith was actually validated by God God acting. And and I I became so mesmerized by faith. Because people of faith, those are the people you admire, right? Not, not, Not people who are faithful. See, faithfulness is for all the people who don't have faith. Faithfulness is the default mode for all the people who don't have awesome gifts. So if you're here and you don't have any talent, you know, you're going, I'm not that smart, I'm not that talented, I'm not that good looking, I don't seem to have any unique gifts, oh, well, then you get faithless. (laughs) That's what the rest of us get. Faith is awesome. And then there's another word inside of this that is kind of awesome too. It's the word fullness. We want fullness. We want to become everything we're supposed to be. We want to see all of our gifts and talents optimized. We want everything inside of us maximized. We want to become whole emotionally, relationally, intellectually, spiritually. We want fullness in our life. Isn't it amazing how two awesome words, faith and fullness, can come together and make such a dud word? Faithfulness. So what I realize is that this journey from faith to faithfulness was a lot like my journey of shaving. Now, I thought about like bringing Hank up here and using a straight edge and, and doing a journey of faith. <laughs> but but it really, it's not about the shaving as much as it is the shaving cream. I wonder how many of you guys actually began shaving with Barbasol. See, I, I know I've been around a lot longer than you, but my world was pretty much all Barbasol. You had this option, Barbasol. See, and men used Barbasol. And you knew Barbasol worked because Barbasol came out in a manly way. And do you remember when you first started shaving? You need a lot of shaving cream to get that peach fuzz off, right? And you had to really thicken it up because you're a man. I mean, I'm not Eastern European, but I need to shave. And my faith was a lot like Barbasol. Thick, obvious, awesome. And then I progressed. I grew as a man. And I understood my faith better, and and so I had to leave Barbasol behind. Great memories. But it was time to live on the edge. Because I began realizing that I made Barbasol-type mistakes. I mean, I was all about faith. If you were sick, I'd pray for you to be healed, and I believe God would heal you. If you, if you need a job, I'd pray for you to get that job, and that job would come. I mean, I just, I lived a Barbasol faith life. But then I, I realized, well, yeah, but I also destroyed every album I owned because they told me God didn't like music, and, and I got rid of every philosophy book I owned, even though I was a philosophy major, because God didn't like thinking. And, and, and then I didn't watch a movie for 10 years because God pretty much hated Hollywood. <laughs> And so I felt like, Barbasol, you got to go. I got to live on the edge. 
See, the cool thing about the edge is that it comes out blue. <laughs> I think they use like radioactive material to make this work. And did you ever, did you remember the first time you used edge? You, they said just a little dab. And I'm like, no, there's no way. I can't, I, I gotta, I, you go, no, I need to use a lot of edge. I'm a man. I don't have a boy beard. I have a man beard. And, 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 and I didn't know how to like work this thing. And so I, like, I tried to go, how do you do this thing? And I go, oh, wow. And then it just kept growing and, and growing. Oh, wow. It's, it's still blue, though. And I think my skin is turning blue. And yeah, and it works. It just keeps, yeah, yeah. And then do you ever do that? It, it was like the time we put bubble bath in that guy's jacuzzi. It, 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 it didn't go well. Oh. But eventually, I realized that uh, my faith, even though it was cool and edgy, really contemporary, metallic blue color, something was not quite right. See, what I began discovering is though everything started with faith, that it was eventually going to have to become something more subtle and more powerful and strangely beautiful. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad it's my last talk. <laughs> and then I went and found the art of shaving. And they said, we've got exactly what you need. This is what men use when they shave. I said, what's this? Because this is pre-shave oil. Just a little dab. I said, what? I, I need more. They go, no, just use it a little bit. I said, look at me. I'm Latino. <laughs> I, need, I need more. They go, no, no, don't do that. And they go, yeah, look at that. It's okay. I can afford it. I can, I can buy another little bottle like that. And, and then they said, you take that oil, then you take this little bottle of shaving cream and go, this, this, this ain't right. He said, is that much? Well, that's a little too much. What do you mean that's too much? I'm used to this. <laughs> and then I kind of grew up, moved to this. Now you tell me this is all I need? He said, oh, yeah, and you have to have the right tools. And so he just started turning this thing around. I go, man, this guy, he's going to look so stupid. <laughs> He's putting this thing on my face. He starts like playing around. I go, whoa, he's not dipping in for some more. And he just stepped on working it and working it. And I thought, man, he's patient. He won't admit he's wrong. <laughs> and I just kept going and I'm going, need your bottle? Said, no, no, we're fine. I thought, what is going on here? It's alive. <laughs> it just kept growing and growing, and growing, and eventually you begin realizing. <laughs> that while faith is really big and obvious, and being relevant and cool with Jesus, 
is really awesome. That faithfulness, it's less obvious, but it's what will save you. Because you see, a life without faith will limit you. But a life without faithfulness will destroy you. Faith is how you meet God in the present. If you want to meet God, you need to step into this moment with faith. You need to step into that moment where you trust God completely with yourself. Faith is how you meet God in the present, but faithfulness is how you meet God in the future. See, faith is what you need here and now to make this moment count the most. But faithfulness is what you need to create the future God knows you were born to live. I started thinking about that. There's other places of application for this, like retirement. I'm not really big on retirement. I just assume die. But I'm just saying that's just my preference. And it's just solves so many complicated issues. And uh, like, which one of my kids will pull the plug? Things like that. And, and, and so I did a little calculation this morning. If you're 21 years old, and some of you are, and you retire when you're 71, and you live till you're 91, and so you're going to have 20 years where you're not going to be earning income. But you could, let's say, live on 40000 a year. I mean, not in L.A., but in Arizona. <laughs> if you take $284 every month and put it away, $3,418 annually, by the time you're 71, you will have saved $1,210,889. So you will get to live at 71 with over a million dollars. I guarantee you, most of you are not living with a million now. If you just take a little bit and put it away. But see, what's really difficult is when you want a cappuccino or you want to see another movie, or you want that other pair of shoes, or you want to buy that other jacket, they go, I need the jacket. Who needs retirement? It's so difficult, isn't it, to make a decision today that actually creates your future, just when it comes to your retirement. Now imagine how it's affecting you when it comes to the future God is trying to create in you and through you. So I started thinking about here at Mosaic, is we have about 2,000 or so adults. Our, our annual giving is around $3 million. And I was going, wow, that means that, that the adults in this room are giving $1,500 a year, almost $29 a week. Now, that's awesome if you're on welfare or homeless. And if you are, I applaud you for your sacrifice. But if you're here and you're making $15,000 a year, you're not even giving up to your potential. But if you're making 30, you're way missing the mark. And I thought, here we are. It took us 20 years to get to this property. 20 years to go from East LA to 
to Monterey Park, to San Gabriel, to Pasadena, to Glendale. And Glendale should say enough of our sacrifice. And we've gone through all these years to get here to this place because people 20 years ago gave so that we could be here. Because people 15 years ago gave so that we could have this experience. And, and then we talked to the Lefrac family and we rented this space right here and we get it for maybe up to six more years. But there's going to be a day where they're gonna say, most likely, hey, it's time for us to sell our building. We're gonna tear it down. We're gonna put something else here. You guys gotta go. And on that day, if we're not prepared, what we're gonna need is massive faith because we haven't been faithful. What's crazy is that if we could somehow convince each other that everyone who's a part of our community would give at least $60 a week, we would be able to buy this building cash in six years. But our problem usually is rooted in how we sacrifice the future for the present. And how we don't understand that while we need faith to live our spiritual journey, we need faithfulness to finish it. I, I, I had a, a tough year. It's been a year of incredible challenges and incredible beauty. I, I had for several years my own fashion company and film company and and for years, we just saw so many things flourish. And I've always worked outside of Mosaic. And, and, and it's always been an incredible gift to me to be, able to be able to give here to this community. But 10 months ago, I, I got a, a text from this man who's pretty famous. And he, I was surprised he texted me because he was a, a Christian leader and I didn't think he particularly liked me. I don't know if you know this, but some Christians don't like each other, and, uh, or, or particularly me. And, uh, and, and when I saw his text and he said, can, can we talk? I got a little nervous. Like, oh no, what did I say? What did I do? What did I write? You, you know, what, and, and, I, and I text back, sure, of course. And he told me that they, they had an organizational airplane and that plane crashed and everyone died except for his daughter. And his daughter had to crawl over her boyfriend's burning body to survive. And she was burnt with third-degree burns all over her body. And he said, she's not doing well. She's recovering physically, but emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, she's really traumatized. And, and, and he told me, he said, my daughter only listens to Mosaic. She listens to the podcast. She listens to your talks. You're probably the only person she'll listen to. And I wondered, would you mind giving her a call? And my heart just broke because if my little girl, if Mariah survived a plane crash and her life was devastated and torn apart, if there was anyone in the world who could help her, I, I would give everything I had to help my little girl. I said, of course, I'll talk to your daughter. But, but I think what I should do is get on a plane and fly to wherever you guys live. I had no idea where they were in the world. And I said, I'll tell you what, me and Mariah will get on a plane if your daughter will allow us to come and we'll fly to wherever you live and we'll just spend a day with you guys. He goes, you, you would do that? I said, of course we would do that. And so he asked his daughter and she said she would love for us to come and we found out where they lived across the country. So we flew across the country, landed, got a rental car, drove several hours out to their house 
and spent the day with these strangers and spent the day just talking with their daughter and allowing her to process and, and, and just living and stepping into her pain. Mariah was so much more helpful than me. And while we're there, and frankly, it was one of those private moments where we were just trying to be faithful in the small things and understand the weight of small things, that God sees those things, that God weighs those things, that they matter in eternity. And while we're there trying to be faithful to this moment, I got flooded with emails and attachments from attorneys that that day my business partner decided to take over our company and liquidate everything. And in one minute, I lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I had hundreds of thousands of dollars of our hard-earned money sitting in that company. It was all gone. And I had projects that were still to be completed, and all the production money for those projects was gone. And all the money to pay all of our debtors and all of our clients and all of our contracts, it was all gone, and it was never coming back. And I was left with no income and all the responsibility. And I thought I was going to die. I mean, my insights just twisted and turned. And honestly, what went through my mind is, God, how can we be here trying to be faithful and you let this happen? in our lives right now, this way. So I told Mariah, and then we shared with that family because they were in the middle of that moment with us, and they prayed with us, and I think it was a great moment of sharing each other's wounds and pain. We drove the several hours back to the airport, and I thought I was going to start vomiting uncontrollably, and I, just, I was just holding on, just trying to look as if I was Okay. Mariah and I had a moment, and there was some weeping and some sadness. And We got on the plane, and they offered me dinner, and I, I couldn't eat. In fact, I, I didn't eat for the next several weeks. I couldn't hold food down for the first week. I, I, I didn't even want to see food. I, I, didn't even, I, I couldn't hardly breathe. I had to go home and tell my wife, Kim, that I lost everything. Now, I've had failures in my life, so many, more than I can account. But it, it, it just felt so painful to have poured my life into this and to watch not only our wealth destroyed, but our dreams destroyed. And I remember sitting down with Kim, and I said, Honey, I need to tell you something. And I remember saying to her, I lost everything. I felt so humiliated. I said, I've lost everything. And without missing a beat, Kim looked at me. She said, I thought I was your everything. (laughs) Where do you get a woman like that? I'm telling you. you And it kind of threw me off, and I didn't know how to respond. I couldn't think of a really, like, spiritual answer. And so I just said, I I mean, I lost uh, my other everything. (laughs) And then I had to sit down with my son Aaron and tell him that not only... Did we lose everything we'd spent so much energy and time in? And, and our company was doing so well, and we would turn the corner. We were going to be so successful, and we were set for the next 20 years, and it was all gone. And since I'm sort of a public figure, I knew it would be public humiliation. And I had to tell Aaron, not only is it all gone, you don't have a job, buddy, and I can't even help you. And 
our hearts were just filled with so much sorrow and pain. I can tell you for the last 10 months, there have been days I could barely breathe. There, there, there have been Sundays where it took all the strength I had just to get up here and speak to you. See, when I talk about these quests, these journeys, I'm not speaking from some ethereal ideal. See, it shouldn't surprise you that to be the person God created you to be, it takes struggle and suffering. It takes failures. It takes falling. It takes getting up again and again and again. And I thought it was a perfect timing because here today we're speaking about faithfulness and I can tell you that this week on May 30th, see, I, I, I had to take a line of credit on my home and I went into so much debt to pay everyone's salaries who lost salaries and to pay every, every creditor that we still owed money to and to finish every project that was left unfinished and all the money was gone. I just kept going into debt because I decided I'm going to finish every single project. I'm going to keep every commitment. I'm going to keep my word at every single point. Even if I'm not legally responsible, everywhere where my name is attached, I am going to get the job done. And on May 30th of this week, every single project that we had left, every debt that we had, we finished. And you can clap. It's awesome. I've said, you know, when you're $5,000 in debt, it kind of is a burden. And when you're $25,000 in debt, it really weighs on you. When you're a quarter million in debt, you feel like you're going to be crushed. When it starts pushing to a million, you're like, who cares? <laughs> I don't even know how to think of that in real numbers. And, and, but let me tell you what I wanted God to do. See, I wanted God to meet me in my faith. I wanted God to show up and fix this crisis. I wanted God to change the minds of the people who were doing this. I wanted God to bring some investor who could bail me out. I wanted God to give me a project so huge it covered up all of our losses and none of that happened. See, I kept, I, I kept trying to believe. I, I mean, I, I was believing until I was constipated with faith. Going, I believe, I believe, but it wasn't happening. I, I was trying to live in fullness. And just declare the goodness of God and the beauty of life and to see everything that is extraordinary every moment in those moments where I just wanted to die, in those moments where I could just feel like anxiety over my skin. And I felt so hollow and empty inside and I didn't know if I was going to lose myself completely. See, those moments where I just couldn't find fullness, I said, all right, God, all I know how to do is just be faithful. I'm just going to take one more step every single day. I'm just going to take one more breath every single day. I'm just going to make one more choice every single day that honors you and reflects your character, and I'm going to let you work it out. And I want you to know tonight, there is a step you need to take tonight so that you can begin this quest as well. And I don't think it's incidental, by the way, that that moment where my whole life collapsed around me, we began seeing the greatest activity of God's spirit here at Mosaic. Sunday after Sunday, people 
courageously declaring Jesus their Lord. Hundreds and hundreds of people running up here being baptized. A thousand people giving their shoes. And I want you to hear me tonight. You have saved me. Your faithfulness. Your steps of obedience. Your faith has carried me. And I want you to know tonight, this life and this journey of faithfulness, you cannot take alone. You will not make it alone. This is a quest that requires us all moving together, carrying one another, because we're all fools, and we all fail, and we all stumble, and we all fall. But pitiful is the person who has no one to pick them up. So I want you to pull out your development card. I have an invitation for you tonight. Three steps toward faithfulness. It will move you toward a life of resilience and perseverance that will move you to a lifetime of wisdom. The first one, contribute your time and talent. No, this is the wrong one. That's last week. <laughs> All right. Let's try another one. Somebody want to just give me theirs? Sorry, thank you. All right. Let's try these. These will work. One, take five. Take five minutes for five days, starting tomorrow, to pray for five minutes a day, and to read scripture for five minutes a day. Okay, I know it's a trick. It's really 10 minutes, okay? But, <laughs> all right, I'm acknowledging that right up front. Okay, you can, some of you are really good at math. You're going, it seems like 10 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, all right, but it's five for each one, all right? So five minutes a day to read the Bible. Now, some of you don't read the Bible at all, don't read the scriptures at all. This is all you get. And so I want you to make a commitment to take five minutes a day to read the scripture. You go, yeah, but it doesn't make any sense to me. All right, for five minutes a day, be thoroughly confused. All right, you can do that. You've seen Inception. You've been confused before, <laughs> right? And, and so take five minutes, read the Psalms. The, the Psalms, they're not confusing. I mean, it takes something to understand, like the matrix, but it takes nothing to understand sense and sensibilities. All right, you just sort of enjoy it. All right? And that's what Psalms are. You just let God speak into your life. Take five minutes to read the Bible and five minutes to pray. That's talking to God. If you want to really risk in those five minutes, listen and see if God speaks to you. So five and five. The second one, for one week, okay, I'm not trying to expect a lifetime of change here. Just for one week, keep every commitment, return every call, And respond to every email. So you're going, what? Here, I, a little caveat. That is in your sphere of responsibility. Now, if you're going, I'm not responsible for that, then you need to let that person know that. It should be your last phone call. Okay? <laughs> Three, take on the disciplines necessary to achieve your biggest dreams. That one's a little more elusive, a little more obscure, because I don't know what your dreams are. But I want you to know the only dreams you will ever achieve are the ones that today you are faithful in the disciplines necessary to achieve them. So 
So don't tell me you want to be this great actor or this great musician or this great architect or this brilliant teacher if you're doing nothing today to develop the disciplines to be the best in the world. In fact, just make a decision tonight. It's not, if it's not worth being the best in the world, if it's not worth being the best you can be, then it's not worth your effort or your life. So start taking the disciplines on right now to fulfill those dreams in your life. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.